1988, Tommy Thompson discovered the sunken SS Central America, also known as the Ship of Gold. The ship went down in a hurricane about 200 miles off the south of South Carolina in 1857. <clears throat> 425 people drowned, and tons of gold from the California gold rush was lost. In a modern-day technological feat, Thompson and his crew brought up thousands of gold bars and coins. Much of that haul later sold to a gold marketing group in 2000 for about $50 million. Thompson went into hiding, and the 161 investors who paid Thompson $12.7 million to find the ship never saw any of the proceeds. Eventually, Thomas was arrested. Uh, he'd been living under the radar, paying cash, and renting a hotel under a fake name for years. And currently, Thomas Thompson is in prison because of his refusal to reveal where he has stashed the remaining gold that could be paid out to the investors he defrauded. <clears throat> that story illustrates a truth. As Christians, we have received the greatest treasure of all time, the story of God's love. And the question for us this morning is, are we sharing that story or are we keeping it all to ourselves? See, when it comes to sharing our faith, intentional or not, we can live under the radar. Perhaps we fear that we will be rejected for sharing our faith, maybe be blackballed by our friends or family as that weird Christian. Or maybe we feel ill-equipped to share our faith thinking that we might say the wrong thing or misrepresent God or, or faith somehow in some way. We may wonder if sharing our faith will have any relevance or if it will make any difference in someone's life. Or maybe we just don't understand that we have a responsibility to share our faith with others. And we think that that work is best left to the professionals. That's why we hire a pastor. <laughs> If you were to research Christianity in the U.S. today, U.S. adults who identify with Christianity has dropped 63% in 2021 from 78% in 2007. Those who identify with no religion, the nuns, has increased from 16% in 2007 to 29% in 2021. And in 2020... Only 40% of Americans said they belonged to a church or a synagogue or a mosque, down from 50% in 2018 and 70% in 1999. One factor of the decline is spiritual seekers have been turned off by the church because of preconceived notions about Christianity or how they have experienced other Christians in their life. Some have concluded that Christians are hypocrites, inauthentic, fake, divisive, and judgmental. Some have decided they don't want to be affiliated with what they view as some man-made religion or have to follow a bunch of traditional rules in order to belong. That data compels us to ask, what can we do? How will those not affiliated with the church Know the hope and love that comes from God. More importantly, what role do you and I have in the challenges that the church is dealing with today and in the future? 
How will the 63% and the 23% know? Now, I'm not trying to be dark side Dale here this morning and paint this doom and gloom picture of the church. On the contrary, I see this as a tremendous opportunity. Today, we're beginning a series called They Will Know Us By Our, looking at some biblical key characteristics that defines true, authentic, historical Christianity in a time where Christianity can seem somewhat distorted. And I'm convinced that when we know the impact we can have living and sharing an authentic Christian witness, it can be life-changing to those who are watching us. Lives will be transformed. The church will have influence. And the hope of Jesus is seen in the lives of Christians that others will find attractive. Today's theme is the first week in our series, and it's They Will Know Us by our story. Our text comes from Galatians 1, and this was when the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the churches in Galatia who were dealing with a crisis of their own. There were some religious leaders who were teaching that in order to be a true Christian, believers would need to follow the Jewish laws and customs, which included the right of circumcision. Now, I'm pretty sure I don't have to explain to all of you what circumcision is, (laughs) but it's important to understand the theological significance behind it. See, under the Old Covenant, circumcision was a sign, a symbol of of Israel's covenant with God. But under the New Covenant, baptism became the sign of the covenant with God. We're going to have a baptism here in a few, uh, few weeks. And if you have not been baptized, would love to challenge you to do that and to consider that. But a group here called the Judaizers taught that Gentiles were required to be circumcised in order to be considered a true believer. Faith in Christ was not enough. For Paul, this message was undermining the good news that salvation is a simple gift based on faith in Christ and not a reward for certain deeds. This false message was in direct opposition to the gospel of grace that Paul preached. And in order to discredit Paul's message, the false teachers sought to discredit Paul's authority as a teacher of the gospel. And the result was uh, the churches in Galatia were, beginning, were uh, in a bit of disarray. People were turning away from Paul's message of faith and doubling down on what seemed to be the right way to be saved. You can sense a little bit of the confusion from the arguing and the divisiveness and the tension that the church in Galatia, churches in Galatia was experiencing. Perhaps they were asking, how do we know the truth? No doubt the future of the church was in the balance. And I would suspect that some people were asking the question, how Will others know? So to defend himself in the gospel of grace, Paul writes this letter to the churches in Galatia to convey that the gospel of grace is true because it comes directly from God and it dramatically had changed his life. Where did Paul's message come from? How did he get it? What authority did he have to share the message with others? Paul began his letter by telling the churches in Galatia 
his story. Let's look at what Paul wrote in verses 11 and 12. He said, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor I was taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. What's going on here? Paul first is giving all the credit to God. Paul didn't get, a third, get, didn't get some third-hand information or a text message from some random person. He received the gospel directly from God. What Paul is describing here is a theological term called special revelation. Back in, Genesis, in the Genesis series a couple weeks ago, Pastor Paul explained the term general revelation. And general revelation is meant that uh, God's qualities and natures are revealed through his creation. It's the idea that when we look at all of creation, we can conclude that there must be some kind of divine order, and that divine order is God. God speaks through his creation. But special revelation goes one step further, where God reveals himself through miraculous ways. Special revelation includes physical appearances of God and dreams and visions, the word of God, the Bible, and through Jesus Christ. Paul experienced special revelation on the road to Damascus, where Jesus spoke directly to Paul, and it completely changed his life. What does this tell us about God? God is the author of his story. From the beginning, God created us for his purpose and his pleasure. But again, we are Genesis 1 people living in a Genesis 3 world where we are broken and we're lost and we're without God. And while we may have some understanding of God through general revelation, God is the one who needs to reveal himself to us. And he's doing that. God continually, relentlessly pursues us to bring us back to him. That relentless pursuit, including giving us his son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We know that God pursued Paul in Acts chapter 9, when Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus, and he forever changed Paul's life. In other words, what Paul was saying to the church in Galatia about his message was, I didn't make it. It's making me. It's the very truth of God. It's not the invention of any man. At some point, each one of us experiences revelation, special revelation from God. Now hear me well. I'm not saying that there will be some radical experience like the Apostle Paul's experience had that you will have in your life. You may. But most likely... Understanding special revelation is simply coming to a clear understanding of who Jesus is from reading God's word. Or maybe you hear a message or you learn about God's love that awakens your heart and leads us to a point where we embrace Jesus as Lord. That's God's special revelation to you. It's not the method or experience that is special, it is the great understanding of God that is special revelation. 
30 years ago this month, God revealed himself to me. I was on a mission trip in South Carolina, a work project uh, on a work camp working on one of the sea islands in South Carolina. If you're considering going on a mission trip with the students this summer, a mission trip can be life-changing in your life. And I grew up going, me personally, I grew up going to church, but it never really meant anything to me. I read through all the Book of Common Prayer. I could recite every prayer through the Book of Common Prayer. I knew there was a God, but I had some hang-ups and some hurts in my life that I struggled with and didn't really see God as relevant in my life. And it wasn't until I shipwrecked my life, got myself into some trouble, where I um, ended up joining a team to get away from life a little bit and to join a team uh, on this work project down in South Carolina. And we'd work during the day. Um, We would uh, build homes. And then at night, uh, we would have a, a program where there would be some worship and there would be some teaching. And I often tell people, I was like Jacob. I wrestled God every single night. And I kept saying, God, if you're real, show me. If you're real, show me. If you're real, show me. And it wasn't until that Friday night where something changed. I finally understood. I finally embraced. I saw the relevance of God, the need of him in my life. And it was a moment where I will never forget. And 30 years later, I'm still walking with God because of that moment where God revealed himself to me in a way that he had never revealed before. There was no lightning. There was no voices. There was no fire and snakes or anything like that. It was just a moment that I understood God more than I ever had before. How about you? How has God revealed himself to you? That's God working his story into your life. You may be here here this morning and you may have been healed from a hurt where you know that it was by the grace of God that you were healed. Or you may have some hang you may have had some hang up about God where you've been holding out until you were sure and at some point God made that clear to you. Or you might be you might have struggled with some habit where God delivered you from that habit. You may be here this morning thinking I am so far from God. I have so much misunderstanding about God. Let me tell you that God wants to reveal himself to you. And if God is tugging at your heart this morning, meaning if God is itching for you to trust him, to surrender, or to embrace him, that's God's special revelation speaking to you. And we can celebrate that. That's that's what happened to Paul here. Here's the important part of this. You did not make those things happen. We do not wake up one day and address those things in our life. We need God. And when God shows up, it's God's story. He is the author of his story. And he is working in his people to reveal himself. God is the author of the story. The second thing that we learn from Paul in his story is that God is writing his story in us. 
Let's look at how God wrote his story in Paul. Verses 13 through 20. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how I intensely persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were the apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that I'm writing, what I'm writing is no lie. Before God intervened in Paul's life, he was killing Christians, and he was working to destroy the church. <clears throat> we know from throughout the book of Acts that Paul would literally drag people out of their homes and put them in jail for being Christians. And when it came time for their sentencing, Paul was present to call for the death penalty. Do you see the radical change that Paul was writing here? Paul was not just some TikTok influencer simply denouncing Christianity, Paul was a terrorist. He was on a mission killing the very people he was now trying to protect and care for. How could that even be humanly possible? The truth is, is that it's not. Something in Paul had a change. What changed? Three things that we can see from this text. The first thing is that Paul's mind was changed. Paul's mind was changed from his ways to God's ways. Paul refers to himself and what he did multiple times in this text. What does he say? I persecuted the church. I tried to destroy it. I was advancing Judaism. I was zealous for God. See, he was in his own path. He had his own plan. He was doing his own thing, thinking that he was so right that he was killing people for it. But something changed. Because then he, then he explains how God called me. God set me apart. God revealed his son to me. That was a shift in his mind and his understanding about who he was to who God was and where he fit under God's story. Paul's heart was also changed. We know this because his attitudes towards believers now is totally different from what it was. We also know that it was God who changed Paul's heart. Paul said it was by God's grace. God revealed Christ in him. When we talk about Christ in us, in him, Christ in us refers to a heart change. Paul, who deserved no mercy, received gracious mercy, and it radically transformed his heart. The best illustration that I can share with you of what happened here goes back to the story of how the Grinch stole Christmas. Do you guys remember that? And you remember how he was at the top of this mountain and he had this thing of toys and he was going to launch it off the mountain? 
And what happened? His heart was changed. And all of a sudden, he realized that what he was doing was contrary to, to, the way he, to what he should be doing. And it, it tells us in the story that God, what, grew his heart three times. That's what happened here with Paul. His heart changed because he realized that what he was doing, the direction he was going in, was not the direction that God had in store for him. And God revealed himself to him. 30 years ago for me, I was mad at God because I was going through a time where uh, my parents were going through a divorce and things that I had hoped for in life were not working out. And I never really understood how God was real. I always saw him as this God in this like celestial being or God in this book of common prayer. It just never really, really connected. And part of my struggle that week where I kept saying, God, I want to know you're there. I want to know you're real. Was a surrender to understand that God was there. And I came to a point where I was no longer mad at God, but I surrendered to God. And part of that was seeing some of the people around me during that week. Some people in the Sea Islands of South Carolina who had lost everything, had everything taken from them. And there was corruption that they were experiencing. But they still had a faith in their God. And they didn't let the material things in their life, the circumstances in their life, turn them away from God. But it turned them towards God. And I saw that in a way that I had never seen and understood before. And that changed my heart. Did I have it all figured out? No, it was a long journey after that. But my heart went from anger to hunger in that moment. Question for you this morning, what does God need to change in your heart? Is there something you're holding on to? Is there something God needs to work on or you want to surrender to him? Paul's mind was changed, Paul's heart was changed. And Paul's direction was changed. No longer he was killing Christians and destroying the church. The text tells us that he ended up in Arabia and indicates that he was alone for three years, most likely indicating that this was time spent alone with God, where he grew in his knowledge and faith and understanding of Christ. All of this is indicative of God entering into our life, revealing himself to us, and writing his story in us. So God is the author of his story. God is writing his story in us. Here's the third part. As Christians, we're called to share our story with others. Here's what we read in Galatians 1, 22, verses 24. He said, Then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard about the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. God had a different plan for Paul. God, Paul was not going to destroy the church anymore. He was going to help build it. 
And Paul's life was not just changed by God's story. Lives of others were changed by God's story being lived out through Paul. Here's the truth. Every person who identifies with Christ has a story to share. It's not optional to share your story. It's a command. The last thing that Jesus said to his disciples before he left was, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you till the very end of the age. God uses every believer to share his story with the world. That's part of our mission here at North River Church, helping people who are far from God become fully developed worshipers and servants of Christ. There's two parts to that. There are people that are wrestling with God today, and they would identify themselves as far from God from some hurt or habit or hang-up they have. And part of our job is to help people who are far from God to come to that place where they're transformed like Paul was so that they can become fully developed worshipers and servants of Christ. Many of you today would identify yourself as a worshiper and servant of Christ. Well, you know what the role of a servant is? Of being a servant of Christ? You have to help others. You have to teach others to obey. You have to share your story with others. You have to go back to the people in your life or the people in your influence and help them know the very thing that you might not have known several years ago. Where not the pastor is doing all the work, but you as the people, the church, is identifying opportunities or seeing ways in which people who are broken and hurting and struggling have the opportunity to experience God's grace and mercy and help through you. Does that make sense? You see that? Every believer has a mission. Now, I'm not saying here this morning that, um, you know, you may, you may not have a full-time calling like Paul. You may not be called in the full-time ministry. In fact, most of us will not. But you have a story. And whatever experience that you have had with God, God is expecting you to share it. And that's our big idea for today. God is writing his, his story in us so that others will know him through us. God is writing his story in us so others will know him through us. It's your story. No one can ever say it's not true because God worked in your life. God transformed you. And no one can turn around and say, well, that's not a true story. Whatever your story is, it's unique and it's powerful because God is the one who is writing it. And if God is writing it, he has a purpose for someone to hear that story as a testimony to God. How do we share our story well? Let me offer three things very quickly. The first thing is we need to continue to learn 
one of the things that we have here is our growth path class in uh, growth path classes, and it's our discipleship process here at North River. And our Build 401 class is designed to help us understand how we can share our story. For each one of us, we need to learn how to be effective in sharing our story well, and 401 can do that. It's not a lot of, um, lot of work. It's not rocket science sharing our story. It's, it's kind of really three simple steps. It's being able to communicate what our life was like before we knew Christ, the moment or the time or what, what the catalyst was that we came to Christ, and then what Christ is doing for us today. That's our story. And if we can share that story with others, people have an opportunity to hear God's grace in where God was at work in your life. Maybe through the hurt, maybe through a habit or some kind of hang up along the way. And you, you might be thinking, well, okay, I didn't have a Damascus Road experience. I grew up in church my whole life. Yes, you did. But you had growth points along the way. There's times where you had a really, had a better understanding of God and you had to trust him for something major in your life. That's part of your story. So we need to learn how to share our story well. The second thing we want to do is we need to look and to listen for opportunities to share our story. What often happens as Christians is we get excited. We want, we want the world to know. And we go out and we'll tell anybody, anyone who will listen, even if they won't listen to us, they'll, they'll start, we'll start telling our story to them. When Riley was little, uh, when we were potty training her, uh, I, had, I formed a motto, and I would say, Riley, what's the motto when she was learning how to be toilet trained? And, she, and the motto was, we pee in the potty, not in our pants. And then I would say, and what happens if you pee in your pants? And she, and she would repeat back, you have to wear a diaper. <laughs> so you can imagine, like all, like, all the time, like during the day, some point, I'm just on, on the fly, I'll be like, hey, Rye, what's the motto? And she's like, we pee in our potty, not in the pants. <laughs> I'm like, what if, you have to, what if you pee in your pants? You have to wear a diaper. <laughs> so one day we're walking, and out of the blue, she turns to someone. I didn't even know him for anything. She's like, what's the motto? <laughs> Riley's home from, uh, from, for spring break this week, and Friday night we were at a restaurant, and she turned to the waitress. She's like, what's the motto? <laughs> no, just kidding. See, we get so excited about wanting to share what we know. <laughs> we have to look and listen for the opportunities where God is, God is at work. What do I mean by that? If you are out doing something with somebody and you're interacting with somebody and someone starts talking about questions they have about God or someone is sharing a struggle, that's an opportunity to share your story. That might be an opportunity where you say, hey, I can relate. Here's my story. Here's what happened to me. You're not preaching to them. You're not, uh, you know, telling them they're going to hell. You're just sharing how God worked in, in your life in a struggle that you went through. Or perhaps maybe someone is sharing with you that, they struggle with the things of God. And maybe you can say, hey, I struggle too. There's times where I've had questions. 
I've struggled with this. I've struggled with that. Maybe you can come with me sometime and I can share with you where I'm learning my things about God. Or maybe there's a habit that someone is struggling with and they're coming to the realization that it's not working for them anymore. Maybe that's an opportunity for you to say, didn't work for me either. See, there's so many different opportunities that we can have to share our story with people without becoming uh, invasive or confrontational, that we just come, up, come alongside and walk with people and we help share our life with theirs through our story so that they can experience God in us and through us. And then the final thing, of course, and this is the most important, is we pray. We pray for opportunities in which we can share our life and our story with others. I don't know what those look like for you today. But I want to challenge you over the next moment or two here as we pray. Who might be a person or persons who you know who need God's love? And ask God to provide an a way for you to share that story, your story with them. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, let us not people who hide our story. Let us not be people who avoid the opportunities to share who we are and what you're doing in our lives. We realize that eternity lives in the balance. God, we may be the only person someone will know to be a Christian. So God, we ask that you would help us to make it count. We hope that people will know us by our story. We trust in you today. We ask this in your son's name. Amen.